1: Yeah. But, but it was funny when they, when they had these auctions, they'll say, like, okay, this boat is going in auction at eight o'clock on Friday. It'll all go in auction between eight and 10. And your, your boat is number auction number 102. And when it comes up, you have 10 seconds to bid on it. And then there's like this little bar that goes, and if you get it once it gets gone, it's gone. So like it's like Taylor Swift tickets. Yeah.
2: This is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Fascinating stories to amaze, encourage, and inspire you in fishing, fitness, and the outdoors. And we're brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. I started this podcast as a way to connect with my friends, people that I admire and respect, and you. It has been a learning journey that's made me a better person, a better fisherman, a better father, and a better athlete. I'm so happy that you're on this journey with me, and I'd love to hear from you with show suggestions, guest suggestions, or questions. The best way to get a hold of me is through text you can text 305-930-7346 for the fastest response but if you prefer to email you can send that to podcast at saltwater that's a dedicated email address just for the show if you like this show you can show your support by posting about it on social media and tagging me text the link to a couple of friends that may also enjoy it and subscribe and leave a five-star review if you feel like I've earned it. The website is tomrolandpodcast.com and that is where everything lives. All past shows, you can go and listen to any show. You can look up all the different shows that we've done both the how-to Tuesdays, the full links and the physical Fridays. They all live on TomRolandPodcast.com and the social media is Tom underscore Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D on Instagram, or you can go to our big account, saltwater underscore experience. I hope to hear from you soon. So now let's get on to today's show. This is Mike Larkin, and this is the Tom Rowan podcast. Mike, you just got yourself a brand new boat. It's been quite yeah. a uh, quite a process, I think, of uh, of identifying what what you wanted. Uh, we talked about this before on the podcast, but I'm super interested in the journey to. New boat ownership, or new to you boat ownership. So
1: yeah, and I, I mean, but I feel like I feel like I'm a teenager and I'm in love. Yeah, <laughs> like I feel like I have like a like a new girlfriend. I, I'm not, I shouldn't tell my wife that, but anyway, but I feel like I'm in love again as a teenager. Like I just can't stop thinking about this boat. Like I just maybe it's because it's a midlife crisis thing or whatever. But I never, I've never actually owned a boat. I've had kayaks, I've had canoes, but this is a real boat, so.
2: Anyway, it's like um, this. My heart is racing when I think about it. That is so awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, how did so so when you decided like last time you were kind of uh, when we were talking you were kind of deciding like okay do I need a skiff do I need a bay boat like what boat yeah. do I yeah, want yeah. Um, and how do you you know determine that and we talked about that a little bit so what did you decide on.
1: Yeah, the, the Bay Boat and really your your podcast, the podcast we did really helped me narrow that down, especially mm-hmm. some of the family. I just, I mean, if I if I was single and alone, I would probably get a skiff and a heartbeat, yeah. but as a family, you know, and, and we talked about, you know, I could still have an option to get bonefish on it. And mm-hmm. I could suddenly go tarpon fishing. And one thing my daughter keeps talking about is she wants to go water skiing. She wants to go rafting. She wants to take her friends rafting. So like in a skiff, I just can't do that. Right. Or I'd be like, okay, bring one friend, and they have to be below 100 pounds or something like that, you know. But on this boat, um, so I ended up getting a, a, a Pathfinder 22 foot. Um, it's a TRS, it's got third row seat. 2013, so it's 10 years old. But this thing, I'm this. I feel like I can do everything with my family. Nice. And um, and I, it's 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 less than 5,000 pounds, so I can tow it. I've been towing it. I have a Toyota Highlander. I've been towing it around. Um, but I, I looked at a bunch of like, and I guess everyone has their own opinions of what they want, but I looked at Tidewaters, which are great boats, Sportsman, which are great boats, Yelfin, are great boats, so are more expensive than I like, but anyway. But, uh, and I just looked at the Pathfinder and I just narrowed it down. It just seemed like everything I, I want and nothing that I didn't want. Like it just had, and it's a little stuff like the, the storage, the mm-hmm. layout, like it just, it really, um, I feel like it's like was that Goldilocks saying that uh, the forge right, this one's just right. It's not too hot, not too <laughs> yeah, cold. This one's just
2: right. Exactly you know? right. So. And, and so you you find the boat that's just right, and and then that happens to sit in the price range that you're looking for. And so when you go to um, when you go to look for this boat, uh, the used market has been um, hot. Right? Yeah, it's like been brutal. Been, I mean, <laughs> used boats have not been lasting long. So what was what was it like to, you know, once you kind of identify, okay, this is what I'm looking for, then how did you go about finding the boat that you end up with?
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've been looking for a year now. Uh, boat Trader and Facebook Marketplace, even Craigslist. Uh, but I just feel like, um, and it was brutal, and I'm um, just looking around. and But I do feel like, in my opinion, it, it's gotten a lot better. Like there were boats before a year ago that were gone in like two weeks. But now there's boats that were sitting there for months. Mm. So in my opinion, for at least the boats I'm looking at, um the the Pathfinders from 2010 to 2018, that range, they were sitting a lot longer. So and I and I did look at several that were a little bit cheaper and but they were older. But some of them just looked like they've been out in the sun for fifty years. It's yeah. just like, you know, the the fiberglass is all chalky and and it some of them so it's and the motor looks like crap. So just trying to find that that juggle of like a boat that has that I'm happy with and it looks like it's been taken care of, and the motor runs and all that and and yet is it's in my price range. Right. So that took that took me a while. Right. To find.
2: And so, so when, I, when, you, when right before this we were talking about um, you were maybe even considering auctions. What was that like?
1: Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So that's a whole different thing. But yeah, the, the um and uh, unfortunately you know Hurricane Ian um, destroyed Southwest yeah. Florida. And, um, and I really narrowed it down to a pathfinder and there was a lot of pathfinders. I got, um, like I handed over to insurance from that, from that storm. And, um, if you want time, I can go in the details of like, sure. how do you find them and all that? So, yeah.
2: I mean, it's interesting. I've never, I've never looked for a, for an auction boat and I'm sure that other people that are listening to this, you know, that's a, that's something that they might consider yeah. as well.
1: Yeah. I am not getting one, but there, there's two websites that I found coparts. It's like CEO. P-A-R-T-S. They didn't have as many boats um, as I like. So, and I feel like that auction business, I feel like 95% of it is for cars. Mm. And I'm, I'm definitely not interested in buying an, uh, an auction car from uh, from flooding or something like that. Right. So it was difficult to navigate, but the um, there's another one called um, IAAI. In fact, I'm gonna go to the um, website because I forget what it stands for. Um, IAAI.com. Um, it's like the international auction association, um, inventory or something like that. But they were, you can actually, as a, um, you know, you can just go to the, that website and you can, um, like type in Pathfinder, type in, type in Maverick or whatever. Um, so, and and you can type in Hell's Bay, type in the Elephant, And there was a lot of Pathfinders on there, Mm -hmm. but you can't, so there, there, you can't So it's really, it's difficult from the public to do this. So there are boats that go to auction for the public, but the only ones I ever saw that were available for the public to auction was if nobody else bid on them. If there's a boat that nobody else bids on, which is very, very, very rare. So what you have to do is you have to work through a broker. So I found this company called Salvage Bid, and they work closely with IAA.com and they, um, so, So they get a cut of it. So they get 4%. So meaning they have their website. You can go to ia.com, find a boat, and then go to salvage boat and then say, so I'm sorry, salvage bid and say, okay, you find it on their website too. And you, you sign up, you start an account with them and then you pay $200 to become a member of salvage bid. So that's a fee I did pay. And then, and then they'll, so they'll bid on it for you. So, um, and then you have to pay them and all that, but they take 4% of it. But that's the only way I found, because it's really not designed. They don't want, They really don't want the public involved. And I had a day off work and I actually went down to, down in Fort Myers, there's a, there was like this, way out in the middle of nowhere, there's a huge facility. I wanted to look at the boat and you can't get on, you can't go look at it unless you have a deer license or broker license. So I couldn't even, even work with salvage wow. bid, I couldn't even look at the boat. Now they give you a ton of photos, which is great, but look, you, you can't drive it, right? right? You can't take it out for a boat test. So going into this, it's really scary because it's like uh, you, you know you, you you have to. I just assumed that the engine was gone, okay? That there's no that the I'm gonna have to replace the engine. I assume so. They they say flooding, and some of them have horrible flooding damage. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some with like barnacles on the center console, <laughs> so that means the boat was flipped upside down for I don't know a week, two weeks. Right. So and where else are the barnacles? You know, they got maybe they're inside the cabin, all that. So uh, no storage, but so I went into it knowing I have to like, replace all the electronics. Knowing after have to replace the engine, and about ninety-five percent of those boats don't have trailers, mm-hmm. so I, I have to buy trailers. So mm-hmm. I had a fixed amount, and I just couldn't couldn't win it. Like I came close maybe a couple times, three. I mean, there was there was over twenty-five Pathfinders for sale at one time on this on this website, all different years wow. from. Where do from you 20- think that
2: those go? Like all those all those boats that are being being purchased, and I guess they're being purchased by dealers that are you know equipped to to refurbish Flip them. them. And flip yeah. them. And yeah, then...
1: yeah. In fact, one of them I did see months later because I, I obsessively checked out Boat Trader. I saw it months later on Boat Trader. So someone actually bought it from the auction, put a new engine on it, and then and then goes on auction. And another thing when when I bought the boat I have now, which is not an auction boat, I went to boathistory.com, dot com, which is like the like the Carfax. Yeah. And it didn't have um, any accidents. Didn't have but. If you buy one of those auction boats, I'm sure there's a stamp on there, right? Like, hey, this is, a, this is a, this boat had flooding. This is an auction boat. This is a, a salvage, salvage boat. So I don't know how that's... You hope, talked to my insurance though. company. I mean, one yeah. time I
2: bought my son a truck and, uh, and we, it, everything seemed fine and we had a little problem with it and we took it to the dealership and they started looking at it and they were like, man, all the airbags have been cut out of this thing, and, which is a real bad
0: deal. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that's, yeah. A very,
2: that's highly illegal. And uh, we had to take it back, and and the you know the place that we bought it, they they said, man, we did not know about this, and they gave us our money back right away, because that is wow. something that you do not want to mess with is is cutting the airbags out of a out of a vehicle. But I would oh, imagine yeah, that it's the yeah. same kind of thing with with boats that there are going to be some people that are doing this that are reputable and they're doing everything that they possibly can to make this boat you know as good as possible, and then there are going to be other people that are just flipping it, you know. Cutting the equivalent of cutting the airbags out, whatever that would be in a boat, I don't know.
1: Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But But it was funny, when they they had these
1: auctions, they'll say like, okay, this boat is going in auction at eight o'clock on Friday. It'll all go in auction between eight and 10. And your, your boat is number auction number 102. And when it comes up, you have ten seconds to bid on it, and then there's like this little bar that goes. And if you get it, once it gets gone, it's gone. So like it's Taylor like Taylor Swift tickets. Yeah, well, you would know there, but yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. But have anyway, a, the, but have a little girl.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. They're for her, right? Yeah. But anyway, the uh, but it was just interesting because I'm like, K-K-K-K-K-K-K. and then oh, there was my bid. I'm out. I'm out. So you put a max bid, so they protect you, so you don't like clicking. Oh, I owe fifty grand. What? I mean, they wow. they cap. You put in a cap, but. But it was just interesting and I ended up not getting one because the, the, the bids were just too high going into it. I know I might get lucky and maybe the motor's fine. Maybe yeah. the maybe it's not. But some of them needed major fiberglass work. Some of them had gashes in them. Sure. Some of them looked perfect. So it was a it was a warning experience.
2: i ended up not going down that road, but it was I thought I definitely would. OK, so you, but, you dabble in that world, learn, a, learn a few things and then uh, then where do you go? So then uh, I, uh, well, Boat Trader and Facebook Marketplace. So
1: I found this boat, I actually saw this boat like about a month ago, but I'm like, eh, I'm gonna wait. Because, you know, Facebook, it says like how long it's been listed. Like, I don't wanna be the first person to jump on it. Like, just calm down. If it's, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, you know? Like, it's just like, just, I don't wanna be, let it sit for a while. And it did, and then they, they lowered the price and it dropped down close to my price range. So I, I reached out to them. And it was a really nice couple up in Gainesville, so about three hours away from me. I think it's a great boat. I don't think it's a great boat for Gainesville mm-hmm. for sure, but I think mm-hmm. it's a it's a great boat. But I met with them and, and bought it and, and we negotiated a price and, and they were just a young couple with the, getting ready to have their second child and we're trying to buy a bigger house. There and you it, go. Uh, it's bad luck for them, but good luck for me, you know. But one thing that drove me nuts, so great, really nice couple, but like, when I bought the boat, like this is, I want to know everything about this boat. I want to know the wiring. I want to know everything. And I kept asking this young man um, questions like, what about this? Is this, does this run off this battery, this battery? Or how's this work? And he kept saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I got the boy said, look, next time, every time I say, I don't know, I'm taking $5 off the sale price, all right? Because I mean, he just kept, at, he, which, I mean, which is fine. He only, had, they only had the boat for six months. They bought it in the summer, thought they'd use it. Then they got pregnant and with their second child, which, but anyway, it was just like, so now well, I'm just like.
2: On the other so. hand, if, if he doesn't know, then that means he turned the key and everything worked perfectly and the boat ran and it did exactly what it was supposed to do and he never had to encounter all those problems. Now, That's if he knew, if he knew every single thing that happened <laughs> and where this one goes and this switch and, yeah. and you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta wiggle this fuse to make this work and this work and yeah, all of these yeah, other yeah, things, yeah, yeah. then it's like, yeah. okay, well, he has a lot more knowledge but that yeah, that knowledge that's is is, uh, is has has been learned the hard way maybe. That's I don't true. Know. The
1: motor started and yeah. like the trolling motor worked and the power pole worked. That's another thing. Like I with the boats I used for research all that we had a we had a steering wheel, uh, especially the boat I used a lot in grad school we had a steering wheel we had a handheld GPS, mm-hmm. we had a bilge pump and we had a uh, push pole. So, like, that that was it. Like, there's, yeah. like, there's, and now this boat is, like, more moving parts than, like, on camera. Like, it has, like, a, <laughs> has, like, a uh, the, what's it called, the trolling motor front, which yes. I've never, I've used trolling motor, but I really don't know what I'm doing. It has a jack plate, goes up and down. It has a power pole, which is great. It's just, but also, in my mind, I think, like, that's a lot of stuff to go wrong to write or maintain. Maybe. But, and, but that's what I, I guess I have a list of questions. Okay, to go let's go about. So I guess the first thing, so um, I get this boat, right? I put it in a trailer, I'm driving it from Gainesville back to St. Petersburg. And I'm thinking if that po- power pole comes down on this highway, I, it's gonna be a major incident. So I'm, I I tied that thing, I cocooned it with a with a rope. So mm-hmm. have you, now the power poles, you know, it's turned off. The battery's turned off. Have you ever had a power pole or what do you do? Let's say you're trying long distance. What do you do with your power pole? Do you do anything to secure um, it?
2: I- Well, you can. Like, if you're going really long distance, uh, you could, you know, tie it like that. But I've never had one uh, have any problem. But I always, always turn the batteries off. And when I turn the batteries off, the power poles are off, right? So you never know what could happen uh, while you're trailering. Something Something could fall down and hit the power pole switch, and it comes down. That could go down but it won't go down if the if the batteries are off while you're trailering so that is you know that's wise of you to to already know that same thing could happen with your with your outboard somehow it could you know it could it could just fall down or or the switch could get hit inadvertently or something could happen and the motor could go down, and you could sustain some damage to the skeg and everything else if that happens. So, if the if the motor if the batteries are off, that should solve those problems.
1: And we say batteries are off. Like um, the boat is actually not here with me now. I'm getting um some trailer trailer work done though. But anyway, um, so that we say like it's got that switch. It's got yeah. one the red mm-hmm. knob thing. One to turn that to off. Yep. And I should, you know, I didn't think I should test it, right? Like, turn off and push the power pole yeah. button. It should do nothing. Absolutely. Right? It should. That's
2: exactly okay. right. And so it should sure do nothing. Off. But, you know, also, you know, good rule of thumb with boat ownership is two is one and one is none. That is, that is a great rule for basically anything, but for anything on a boat. So always have a spare and always assume that whatever, you know, the primary is, is going to go out. So two is one. You should always have two boat plugs. You should always have two... Uh, of everything you should turn the battery switch off and if you're going to trailer a long way there's no harm in putting a velcro wrap around the power pole pole too right that's two right so you have two things you have a primary turn the battery switch off a secondary which is you know there's a manual velcro thing which is enough to to you know if something happened i don't know you could have the i guess the hydraulic line could get uh could get severed somehow and then the power pole could drop. I mean, it's highly unlikely, but good, you know? So you, ha- you always have a primary and a secondary. Two is one, one okay. is none. And that's that's kind of what I do about basically everything in the boat.
1: So what, if, since we're on topic of power poles, what do you, you do anything to maintain it? Like you uh, check the. Or- you,
2: you know what, There there is uh, very little that you need to do to maintain a power pole. The one thing about power poles, uh, that is fantastic for boat ownership, is that if anything breaks on that power pole, you can call power pole and they will send you apart pretty much overnight and they will walk you through it. And anybody oh, that okay. knows how to hold a wrench, which you don't have, and I'm saying you do not have to have, it's not like if your outboard broke down or your trolling motor breaks down, you can change, you and I could change anything on that power pole with a part that comes in the mail and somebody on the phone tell, telling you how to do it, it's incredibly simple. And their their um, attention to detail and their customer service is the best of anything on the boat. It's you it's think they'll really good. Under
1: that even if I'm the um, second owner, yeah. third owner, of the, absolutely, okay. okay,
2: yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's good to know. Okay, now hopefully, that, I never have
1: to go there. No, you but don't. That's, uh, and
2: that's awesome. I have never really had to do anything with them uh, except. Um, you know make sure that there's that there's fluid in the in the in the reservoir but is outside of any kind of a leak i don't think i've ever even really refilled that okay right okay. so i mean if there was if there was some sort of a leak or or the the line got severed somehow i mean that could happen you know somehow maybe somebody with a fillet knife or something does back there and is, yeah, yeah. is, is sword fighting and, and they, they cut, the, <laughs> cut the deal. But honestly, zero zero problems with the So what about, um
1: now, does it have its, I should know this, does it have its own battery or it runs
2: off like no, a No, it runs off, battery? it'll run off the house, generally. The house battery. Yeah.
1: Which, that's another topic. So like, I think the battery, if, if it's rigged up correctly, this bay boat should have like a starter battery and then a house battery. Yes. Like bringing the house is like the radio, the GPS, mm-hmm. and then starters Live like just your starter.
2: Yes. I mean that's that's the way that a lot of boats are are wired. And if your boat is not wired that way and you you know two is one one is none, right? Like again, it's if you wanted kind of a fail-safe, it would be very easy to install a second battery and run some of the stuff off of the house battery and some of the stuff off of the the start battery and then have both of them wired to the charger to where um, like I'm sure you have an onboard charger on there. I
1: think so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I saw a like, box. I didn't okay, understand. Okay. So if there yeah. was
2: a box there and it had a it yeah. had a cord, you plug that into an extension cord at oh, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. generally, the way that those will work is that there'll be a primary battery, which will be your start battery. You want your start battery to get the most charge, and the fastest charge, and then it once that's charged, it will go over and charge the house batteries, and then now you know, like PowerPole has a charger that is very sophisticated and when you're running, it will charge those batteries and it will also charge your trolling motor batteries from your outboard while you're running. But just your basic standard um, battery charger, onboard battery charger, it lives in there. You don't have to take it out. You don't have to do any maintenance to it whatsoever. All you do is there's, there's a plug somewhere. You plug an extension cord into that. Your Your house battery and your start battery will be full and your trolling motor batteries will be full too. Um, that's, the way it, that's the way it should work. So uh, yeah, and I
1: plug that thing in, it should charge, I think I have three batteries mm-hmm. in that boat. Probably do. Should charge all three of them.
2: Yeah, right? so you probably have okay. a, I mean, you could, if you have three batteries, you could be running a, a 24 volt trolling motor. So that'd be two batteries. So those are your tro- trolling motor batteries. And then you could be running everything off of just one, one battery like your start battery also runs your live wells and also runs your your electronics and your power pole and your radio and everything else. And, and in a lot of cases, that's fine with regular use. Now, if you're like a, a, a hardcore bait fisherman and from sun sunrise to sunset, your live wells are running and you're running two GPSs and you're running a lot of other things, that can be a problem. So unless, you know, for the most part, you know if you if you run a live well for a couple hours a day or don't run it at all it shouldn't be any problem whatsoever because every time that you start that motor and then you run somewhere the you, alternator you, should yeah the be alternator charging. is charging that battery so it should okay. be good unless you have an, an extensive amount of of accessories being run all day long and the the main ones for that are today with the big gps screens some people have two or three of these things in a boat and then then some people are running one or two or even three live wells all at once. It and then when you have those things, when you have all that going, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, depending on what battery it is, I mean, lithium batteries can, can, can run a little longer. Um, and if you didn't have a full charge, maybe you forgot to plug it in at night and you're like, oh, well, we'll just go. That's when you got to be really careful. Like the habit should be every time that, that battery, that, that you pull the boat into wherever you're storing it, plug it in and leave it plugged okay. in. And then they, they, you know, if it's a good battery charger, it will charge until it's full and then it'll trickle charge after that. So it won't damage the okay. batteries and okay. you just keep them plugged in all the time.
1: Which brings up one of my other questions, is your
2: starting battery and your house battery the same type of battery or are they different? Um, typically they they will be a little bit, uh, they can be the same. You'll have a, you know, a. Uh, like a starting battery typically on the battery is labeled starting battery, right? Like it is Do I have a designed or something. Yeah. It's, okay. it's, it's not a, a, uh, like a deep cycle, um, or what they, what they call Like the trolling motor batteries are designed for, to pull, um, charge over a longer period of time. And a start battery is designed to put a enough juice out there to turn that engine and start it. And okay. so they're slightly different. Um, but, it could be the same. You could be running okay, it on okay. one battery, no problem.
1: And then how often do you change your batteries? Like, my it car batteries, I feel like,
2: five years, but is it yeah. the same? Yeah, and it, it, it could be the same in, in that. And so battery technology is, is has changed a lot. Like, you have, you have just your basic lead-acid batteries, which is probably what you have in your car, and those are going to need to be changed pretty regularly. They will have so many cycles that, that you can go through, and they will last... You know for how many ever cycles so let's just say they have 300 cycles and you plug that thing in uh for 300 days a year well it's going to be an every year kind of switch right but Mm -hmm. then you have these agm batteries then you have lithium batteries and as you move up the scale in batteries usually in price you'll get um a couple of different things the weight will go down so the most expensive batteries right now are like the lithium batteries, and the weight will go down significantly. Which like, I like that. That's nice. Yes. So you could have you could have three batteries that are lighter than your one lead acid battery. Now, you could also have batteries wow. that um, charge faster and that charge uh, and that last longer, right? So, but the cost goes up. So, like for a charter guide that's out there every single day yes having the best batteries and having the lightest batteries and yes it's going to absolutely make a huge difference for a guy that's going to fish it you know a few weekends a year is 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 that the performance that you're after or would that money be better spent you know on electronics or better be better spent on a power pole or a trolling motor or you know a, a couple of yeti coolers you know something that you're that you're going to use uh differently um I'm, i would kind of say that you know in that situation the the uh you know just a standard marine lead acid battery is going to be is going to be fine, it's fine. um yeah. but depending on you know now a lot of people like especially on skiffs and in certain installations on bay boats the room becomes a a a major concern like they want to have uh, a 36 volt trolling motor because they like to use the trolling motor or they like uh you know whatever they need three batteries on the trolling motor and then they want a house battery and a starting battery because that's that will support the way that, that someone fishes. And then all of a sudden in like a 22-foot bay boat even, it's like, okay, well, where am I gonna put five batteries? Yeah, yeah, and these yeah. things weigh so much. Now Now I have so much weight in the bow, or now I have so much weight in the stern that it, the boat's not running the way that it should. So in a situation like that, it's like, okay, well, I'm if I could mount this battery on its side or or something like that, then I could get them all in here and I could put them in a place where the boat's gonna run really well. That might be a, a, a consideration for, for going with a, with a lithium battery or, or one of these that's completely sealed, requires zero maintenance whatsoever. Um, but for, for general, general purpose, I think that what you have is probably, is, is certainly a great place to start. Now- well, right you, here,
1: My batteries looks like they're about four years old. That's why I'm thinking. I get to look at it and see what they are.
2: Well, the first um, one I would replace is the start battery right? Okay. Like that's the one. If you have any concerns over any of your batteries, like if you run out of juice when you're trying to use the trolling motor, that's inconvenient. If you run out of juice when you're trying to start up and there's a, there's a nasty cold front coming, that is, that's a problem. That's a safety (laughs) concern. So, so you want to make sure, you know, primary thing is, is first and you want to be able to get back to the dock anytime that you possibly can. So you make sure that that start battery is healthy. And, um, if it's not, it's pretty cheap to replace.
1: But what are these, the lightweight, I think the lithium ones, what are you getting for lifespan out of those? Like how often are you changing those out?
2: Um, I'll change those out. Well, usually I don't even keep a boat long enough to change them out because we, we don't keep our boats that long. But I mean, you're gonna get five or six years out of, out of one of those really easy. And, okay. Uh, okay. and again, it, it has to do with the cycles and it has to do with use. Um, so, so if they're not getting used that much, man, forever. Right. Okay. Like, I mean, <laughs> and the way that that some of those batteries can work too is that um, you can like for for uh, being able to sit on a store shelf. So like if, if they if a, if a store a retailer buys some of these lithium batteries, they can actually have the batteries turned off, right? So they're just off and they're just sitting there, and they're not they're not slowly losing their charge. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Like, and okay. so then you can actually turn them on and they will, they will work. And so while they're sitting, so, so in a situation to where you, um, you might have your boat sitting for six months a year or something like that, you could just turn the batteries completely off, which is different than what we were talking about uh, of turning the battery switch off, right? So if you have lead acid batteries and you just turn the, the battery switch off, that battery is still going to lose a small amount of charge over time. That's just the way it works. And but, but these other ones, you can just they they don't function at all. They're not going to lose any charge if they're turned off properly, right? Which you, is different than the b- battery switch. Usually, it's a magnet on the side of the battery oh, where you really? where you okay. do this little switch on the side of the okay. battery that can turn it turn it off, and, oh, wow. okay. um, and and it will not function, right? You can hook it up and do everything, and it you will think that it is dead as it can be, but it just needs to be turned back on.
1: Okay. Wow,
2: wow.
1: What about um, your jack plate? Do you have a jack plate yep. on the boats that you guys use? Mm-hmm. Is that um, any maintenance there?
2: No maintenance on the jack plates. Uh, usually they're hydraulic or electric. Um, the jack plate is is can, can make a really big difference in performance. Um, okay. So I don't know if you've ever encountered this, but what we used to do before we had jack plates is, you know, basically the motor mount has like three or four holes on it and we would get a new boat and with that certain prop and everything, we would, um, you know, the motor would go all the way down, you know, so it's on the bottom bottom hole or the top hole. So the motor's as low as it possibly could be. Mm -hmm. And you're just not getting any performance. You can't get the boat to lift. You can't get it to do what you want it to do. And so, you know, we would raise the motor up a, a hole and then, you know, you would hit that sweet spot to where now, now everything's going. Uh, perfect. I'm getting good bow lift. The boat's 10 miles an hour faster. My fuel burn is way better. Um, All of those things. So, wow. What if we went up another hole? It's got to get better, right? Well, eventually you go up too, too far to where you, you, you know, you affect your hole shot, you affect your cavitation, you affect all of these things. Now, now it's inefficient. It went from being the, from being so low that it was not efficient to being now so high that it's, that it's inefficient and there was a sweet spot in there, so then we would get it back to where the sweet spot is. Now, with a jack plate, you can manually do this. Now, if you have it to where it's just um, attached to the back of your boat with no jack plate, you're kind of at the mercy of, of that thing, right? So you can put it down lower so you can have good hole shot, or maybe you put it up a little higher so that you can get better top end speed, but basically you're gonna be kind of, okay, this is as good as I can make it. But with a manual electric or hydraulic jack plate, now you can put it all the way down for a good hole shot. And as you get up, you can start raising that motor up a little bit and you can start pulling it out of the water. And if you have a gauge like the Mercury Smart Craft gauge or I'm sure Yamaha's got whatever gauge or Suzuki or whoever has a, has a gauge on there and you can actually see fuel burn, you can see that as you're messing with that jack plate, it's coming up. You can see the fuel burn is going from, I'm burning nine gallons an uh, an hour to now it's 4.5 now it's three now it's oh, two nice. okay so okay. now it's like okay now i'm running you can you can start to use the rpm gauge your fuel burn gauge and the jack plate as as like finding your perfect cruise to where you can get the best fuel economy um nice. okay. and and okay. so that's that's what it, it's really good for it's also good for idling across um shallow water to where you know if it's if it's just attached to the back of your boat now you're 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 using the trim to not damage the bottom right but as you're lifting it up it's get the higher it gets the less water you're pulling into the uh into the intake and so the intake is how the motor cools and so you can overheat like that right so you can get the motor too high and then you'll overheat either idling or running right okay. so you can notice that you can drop it down a little bit and you can also have a water pressure gauge which is something I usually have on my boats and you can make sure that while you're running through shallow water or whatever it the temptation is to get that motor up high 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 but the worst thing that you can do is overheat in shallow water and you're going to you're going to you know come down and and not be able to get back up on plane so the high, okay. the, the jack plate is is a very very useful tool at first you know it, you're not going to find yourself messing with it that much, honestly. You're gonna you're gonna put it pretty much all the way down to get a good hole shot, and then you know if if the boat's porpoising or something like that, you're gonna start messing with it a little bit. Same with the trim tabs. And as you run the boat more and more and more, you're gonna start to to realize, okay, well this is a much nicer ride if I can get the bow up a little bit. Nobody's getting wet. The boat's uh, not I porpoising. Everything is going well. And then when I get the bow up too high, now the boat is really porpoising. And if I can bring this back down a little bit, it's just not, it's a nice, smooth, easy ride, you know, and, and you can start to use the trim tabs for the same, same thing. And a lot of that is, is uh, you know, per boat and personal preference. Like, do you like to go really fast or do you like to kind of have a nice smooth ride? And then as you're driving that boat and, and getting more experience on it in different sea conditions, you start to realize, okay, well, if the jack plate's too far up, then it does this. If it's too far down, it does this. And not all boats are the same, you know, like one will behave a little bit differently. One will like a really high, high placement, you know, and another okay. will like a little okay. lower placement.
1: Okay, yeah, it's gotta, gotta learn the boat. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> you do. Gotcha. Which I just got to keep running it. But uh, well, that's good to know. Thanks, Tom. So so another thing, the gentleman I bought it from, he says the transducer is mounted on the wrong place. So it's uh, it's right on the stern. He says when you're up on plane, it's skidding along. I'm not really sure what he meant. Like, you know, the transducer's on your boat, so they're mounted on the stern. But you want them, obviously, to be in the water. But when you're up on plane you still want them in the water, right? I mean, so
2: you can measure the bottom. It could be, and, but, but sometimes sometimes you can have uh, problems with that and there's different kinds of transducers. You can have a through-hull transducer, which is mounted inside of the hole. And those can be very accurate and they can be great. Um, the transducer problem, if he's not marking bottom, uh, it could be just slightly too high, right? And so just like, just like your, your motor placement, um there could be four or five different holes on that transducer and it could be as simple as as just loosening the screws and dropping it down a little bit and then tightening mm. the screws back up it could mm-hmm. be a total remount of the transducer you know and making sure that even when you pull out one of those tiny little screws um that can sink your boat right so that's <laughs> <laughs> that's something to think about is like you know anything put that another, goes a hole in the
1: boat, right? put another yeah.
2: hole in the boat yeah, yeah right yeah, but yeah. um you know, yeah, it, is, it, it him, may but. not be that uh that important at first, like to to mark bottom while you're running, because you know, maybe you like being in shallow water, right? You can look down and you can yeah, tell, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's 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 five or six feet deep here. Right. It's not like you're gonna mark where 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 you really like to, to have your electronics marking the bottom is when you can't see the bottom, right? You're out offshore fishing, you're running your electronics and you're like, "Oh, damn, we just went over a wreck. I've never mm-hmm. seen that before, right?" And you wheel back mm-hmm. around and you mark it and you're like, "Huh, I think I found myself a new fishing spot." And then, you know, you obviously want your transducer to be marking bottom when you're sitting fishing in a channel or something like that. But if it's not really marking while you're while you're running, that's a that's a probably a problem for a little further down the road uh okay. in your case right like i don't think that's going to be number one priority of getting that transducer i think he's afraid
1: work. it it's the water it's going to get knocked off like maybe that all that water rushing over it oh. it's hitting the well water. that could
2: be and it could be shooting know. water up you know out of the back and uh yeah and that maybe might be too low yeah it could gotta, be too I low i actually
1: didn't even i didn't even focus on it for the boat test so i was just like all right well let i'll fill it for that out later you know, yeah i was more worried about the motor right um but uh but what do you think yours are when you're running you think yours are in the when um, you're running well, so mostly in trans- the in the
2: bay boats we're using the through hole transducers in the skiff we're using the, the transducers off of the back and they are not really great at marking bottom the way that we have them uh Mounted on the skiff, because on the skiff, you know, we are actually going to go in the shallowest water that we can possibly go in. So there is, okay. if it is mounted yeah. below the boat, it's gonna it is going to hit, gonna hit yeah. something, right? Because the bottom of the boat, we, we do pole shallow enough to where, you know, especially up in Flamingo or something like that, you are poling through, you know, it, you want it to be at least flush with the back of the boat, right? But I guess... Sorry, I'm a little distracted. So the those, but you
1: said your boat have a through hull. What I was understanding, and I, I haven't done my homework in this, Those side scan sonars, mm. it's like
2: a long kind right. of rod. Thing. Now that is a different. That's a different uh, one, and we will have that. Uh, typically, we, we will also have that off of the stern. And, okay. Okay. And okay. then now there's another newer transducer, which is. Uh, I find myself not even really using the side scan that much because we have this new thing called active target which is a you can turn it we put it on the trolling motor and so now when you turn it you're getting not only just a uh, a picture of what's there in a in a in a snapshot of time you're actually seeing it like video to where you see the fish swimming and and if you can see like we did a couple shows on this to where you can look out there and you can see the tarpon swimming in front of you you can see schools of permit swimming in front of you the bass fishermen are going up to uh, up up to structure and they're throwing out there and they can see their lure coming up and they can see a fish coming and intersecting their lure and then they get a bite it they're Uh doing some crazy things with it but that active target is actually um, probably more useful to me than the side scan ever was
1: Well, one thing I want to use, where I live in St. Pete, there's some places for bait, and you go there, and people throw chumlin up a little bit, you'll see them flash. But, like, I'm thinking, if I had a side-scan sonar, like, I could have my son or daughter at the console, like, hey, to to the right, like, you you know, we're out there, like, looking for them to flash, but if I... If it's really dirty, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm thinking maybe the side scan would be a better tool, right? Because I could say like, oh, they're, they're right off the port side. Well, throw the net there. Like I it, could
2: blindly throw it. It, it kind of does. But but what you're getting is you're getting a snapshot in time. Like it is going to send out a beam. It is going to reflect off of the, that school of fish and it's going to come back and, and and show up as a as an image of fish there. Now, did they go right? Did they go left? Where do you throw the cast net? And that that is that is kind of why this active target... Because it's like a live, live video? From Lawrence. it's like a, it's a live video. And so you wow, can okay. see, and then when you throw the net, you see the net falling, and you can tell okay. that you got fish in your net before you even pull the net in because you see that you're marking them in the net. So what I would say is between the two of them, if you were going to do an upgrade at any time, I would look at the at something like the active target more so than the side scan, and the price is probably... Not that much different, maybe I don't know. But the active target for Lawrence now. Other other manufacturers they have they have uh, you know their, their own, own version? their own versions of of this. You know, Humminbird's got something. The the uh, Garmin's got something. Everybody's got something these days. And I'm sorry, they're they're attached to the trolling motor, so it's wired. Well, they through- can be attached to the trolling okay. motor. So Okay. Um, they they can. Some people are also putting a a, a, a different kind of uh, amount. Towards the bow, and they can they can turn it. So some people don't like it on the trolling motor. And so as you see with with uh, any kind of innovative technology, people are getting more and more uh, innovative about using it. Right. Like so, some people, especially the bass fishermen, they started to say, "Well, sometimes I want to I want to keep this po- keep this pointed at the fish, but I want to use my trolling motor to go over here." Right. So yeah, like if the wind's yeah, blowing yeah, one way, yeah. you need the trolling motor facing away from where where the fish might be, so they're saying, well, I wanna be able to independently move this transducer wherever I want. They could face it behind the boat, they could face it in front of the boat, they could face it anywhere, so it won't matter where their trolling motor is. For so us in, they, the, in the saltwater, it seems like having it on the trolling motor has worked pretty pretty well for us. So, I'm,
1: I'm sorry, if it's not on the trolling motor, is it mounted to like a pole, yes. is it mounted? Yeah, okay. they'll,
2: have, like, they'll, they'll wow. have a pole mount that's up there near the trolling motor, but not attached to the trolling motor. And in fact, some of them are attached to the shaft of the trolling motor, and, but they can be turned independently. So the trolling motor could be facing one way and then they could turn this, this, this thing to face it another way. There, there's, there's new products coming out all the time with it, but probably at first it's going to be just the, the most convenient just to put it right onto the trolling motor.
1: This is blowing my mind though. I had no idea. This is this is that's a game changer. Right there, no, it's right? a I game mean,
2: changer. All right. Wow. I mean, and I thought I thought that you know, the side scan was the side scan, the side scan was was cool and inventive. And I can think of you know a few dozen fish that we caught because we had side it. Scan. But dude, we caught a few dozen fish on the first week we had this other thing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is this is a whole different deal. (laughs) This is a whole different deal here. I mean, this is the difference between like, um, I don't know, like when Instagram was was only pictures and then they started allowing video. And it's like, okay, this is a whole different deal. Like Instagram has now changed or I don't know that it's like it's live video. It's that's what it is. And you can even, you know, for, for the saltwater fisherman, what's pretty interesting about the, the, uh, the active target is that I can identify what fish it is. Like really? you can okay. see okay. a tarpon, like I can see the okay. pictures, of, you know, on your wall there. And you can see the difference between a tarpon and a bonefish. I can see, you know, that it's, that it's mullet. Or pilchards, I could see that it is also you know, by the size too, right? Yeah, but you can permit, see the silhouette like, of the thing. Yeah, wow. you can see the silhouette, and it, and and it's kind of it's kind of interesting because it's almost like it's almost like if you had a spotlight and you're just kind of you're you're going you know and and you're catching you know you're you're panning to the to the left with this spotlight and you're catching part of some fish and they're showing up okay, but then you get one dead center in that spotlight and you're like wow and it sh- it shines you know super super good and you can see the perfect silhouette of it and that's what happens with with this thing if they swim into that perfectly and those beams come across that entire fish it'll show their wow. tail it'll show their dorsal fins it'll show the shape of the fish and and it'll show them swimming it's it's you could definitely see the difference between a nurse shark and a tarpon. You can definitely see the difference between, <laughs> you know, something of similar size that has a different tail structure.
1: And did you go up and down too? Like, what if? Like, not what if you're not, as, much. not I mean, as much. I mean, you
2: can you can adjust it to where the cone will be more narrow uh, and shoot out further, or it can be wider okay. and not shoot out as far. And uh, it, you know, you can kind of see what you're looking at um, when you have the. When you have it on your on your electronics, like how far you're shooting out there, and you know there's a range, and then uh, you'll get to that sweet spot for whatever fish that you're looking for, whether you're looking for bait or you're looking for tarpon or you're looking for permit or you're looking for whatever you're looking for that might that might um, you know show up on that thing really well. Uh, there'll be a sweet spot for the size of the fish and the depth of the water, how far out you can you can see them. But you know, like if you're one of the places where we where we just I mean, it was just absolute game changers we're offshore looking for permit, and they're kind of hanging and stuff yeah, they're yeah. kind of hanging off of uh, over the structure. Well, you know it's getting kind of late in the day, and the, there's a good amount of glare well, most days it's like dying, it's man. over man we can't we I mean we, we casting, can't see yeah. anything, mm-hmm. but with this thing we're, we're like, well, they're right there they're <laughs> right there It's like seriously, throw a crab over there. <laughs> It's like, wow. wow. That's, um, so that's like, unbelievable.
1: Sorry to you, but my application of using it for bait in like 10, 15 feet of water, I could have my kids or whatever on the console. It sounds like this is much better than going with side scan. Sonar
2: yeah. Well, not, only, cool not only this, your kids can be on the console looking at it. But if yeah. it's a, uh, a, uh, a, a Lorentz, this is the one that I know. That's the one that we use. I don't know about the other ones if they have this capability. But you can mirror the screen to your phone. So you can oh, be anywhere can be. in the boat, and you can be looking at your phone, oh. and you can have exactly what's going on on the on the screen of your of your deal. So I, I mean, really struggle
1: to see my phone in, in sunlight, but maybe I could put something over it. But I yeah. got to, I can, yeah. yeah. So that way, it's right there, and I got the cast net on me. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it, and yes, oh,
2: yes. Gotcha.
1: This is interesting, Tom. I'm going to waste my money <laughs> getting a new side scan sonar. Well, or
2: something. I <laughs> mean, I'm just saying, that, you know, between the two. Both of them are great, but between the two, this one I think you'll get a lot more use out of this one, and and it's the it's the newest, coolest technology. And you, that, I guess
1: you you said you have an episode. Sorry for not we watching we got we got a, we got a few. Yeah, <laughs> man,
2: I'll I'll show them <laughs> okay. to you. But it's uh we got a few of them that we've been using it. I mean, it's it's the kind of thing that once you use it a little bit, it's like it's it's really good. We're, we're using and it got, all the time.
1: You said Lawrence, but I mean, there's like Garmin, there's uh. You know there's always different brands. Mm-hmm. I guess they're all good or I mean I guess they all have their own little
2: They all have uh, their own things. Um honestly I wish I could give a better um opinion of all the different ones out there but you know I I've, I've been using Laurence for forever and uh that's the one I know and well. I really don't have any experience with with many of the other ones but I can tell you I can tell you what that that one does and it's it's pretty it's awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty awesome. Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: Well, that's cool. That's really informative. So I guess my other tips. Are, oh, so trolling motor. Get to that. Do you maintain your do maintenance on your trolling motor? Well,
2: mm-hmm. um, you just kind of like. Well, typically you're not going to have to do much to any of them except rinse them off and make sure that they're they're charged up. Um, but the trolling motors break a lot. Um, you know, over time. You know, we, one of the things that's the worst on the trolling motor is are rough rides. Honestly. Um, when you're when it's
1: not in the water or it
2: is in the water or both um honestly it's probably taken the most abuse when it's out of the water on the deck because it's in the worst plane. place imagine yeah, riding yeah, yeah. in the front of a boat like yeah, it, it, that's yeah. the most uncomfortable spot oh, oh. so you get these these uh accessories called a bounce buster or something like that and it'll be like this it'll be like this small little pipe that that Goes under and offers support to the head of the trolling motor and it, it it goes down to the deck Right, and it's kind of this aftermarket product that you can put on there. It's called a bounce buster Or there might be some other products called something else, but basically it's giving that trolling motor support So when you're hitting those those waves really hard You know, it's not flexing and the the, the head's not breaking off and so it over over the years different brands would have different problems but the durability um trying to um you know stand up to the abuse that saltwater anglers are putting it through that was that was you know it was it was different you know and and a lot of times the the bass fishermen you know are are doing things equally as rough on trolling motors but typically their boats are much slower to the water and so they, they only use like a 48-inch trolling motor where sometimes we're using a 72-inch trolling motor. So uh, because the bow is higher, so you have a longer shaft in the trolling motor. So when you have a longer shaft and it's on top of the boat and, and you're also going through these waves, that's even more uh, bouncing that the thing's doing where the the bass fishermen a lot of times, theirs is so short that it's almost not bouncing certainly not anywhere nearly as much as what we're we're doing gotcha. okay and on an inland lake you know it's not uh, i mean i know those guys fish on the great lakes and places like that where it's incredibly rough uh but anyway uh the trolling motor can be it can be a little frustrating honestly there's something new coming out right now that's solving all of these problems by the way you you'll you'll hear about it and uh you have the do product. Tell, do tell. You what have the it, product on the other end of your boat, and it is incredibly uh, reliable. And we've already talked about it. Um, but Powerpole, uh, okay. Powerpole <laughs> is is now in the uh, in the trolling motor business, and oh, it oh, is so what they have come out with is world changing, game changing. All of the problems that we're talking about: durability, uh, speed um, sound, uh, you know, like a lot of trolling motors are kind of loud, um, efficiency, everything has been resolved. It's, it's, it's absolutely game changing. So, uh, it's coming, you know, that kind of technology and that kind of reliability and that kind of stuff is, is coming with new products and new innovations, Mm -hmm, like what mm -hmm. they're coming out with. But, you know, over the years, you know, trolling motors have basically been, created for freshwater applications they've been used by saltwater fishermen uh redfish bonefish permit you know shallow water type um applications and so they had to get a lot better at corrosion they had to get a lot better at being waterproof and holding water out so it's not getting into the wiring because when saltwater gets into that stuff you know it's it's just over so the the motors they've all gotten a lot better, but the step that's about to happen right now, in fact, by the time this is, uh, by the time this podcast comes out, it will already be on the market, and uh okay. because it's launching this week, so I can. But it's I not going to be free, right? It's going it to be expensive. It's but. not going to be free. <laughs> it's not going to be free. But you know, the people, it's it's kind of like when the Yeti cooler came out. A lot of people looked at the Yeti cooler and said, "Oh, that's ridiculous. I would never buy a five hundred dollar cooler," right? But uh-huh. for the fishing guide that has 19 broken igloo coolers in their yard <laughs> each of them costing $75 a piece it's like i would gladly buy this yeti cooler that's going to last me for the rest of my life and hold your ice for several for, days Yeah, if, i mean everything about minutes, it is yeah. better but the lid on on these old coolers before yeti the lid was a, was a, was a nightmare you if you had you know somebody sitting on that lid and you went through some of these rough sees by the time you got back to the dock the lid broke it was caved in and without a lid you got a useless cooler so you'd have you know there's another one and you just go buy buy another cooler and put it in there and then it would break and then here's another one and here's another one and here's another one and you would just go through these things over and over and over again so it's like if i could buy one cooler for five hundred dollars i'll give it to you right now if that's it (laughs) and that's how those products are you know you don't have to replace them And uh, that's how this trolling motor will be. It will seem expensive at first, but if you have replaced, you know, if you've bought a dozen trolling motors and they all keep (laughs) breaking and doing the same kind of thing, it's like, this is the best bargain there's ever been. Right? But you know what you said made me think of like, if I'm going out with the kids water skiing tubing,
1: I thi- I'm taking it off yet. I think I just take off. Well, you can't like a lock, and I yeah. just pop. So I should take it off, right? I mean, absolutely. Why, if, you're it- gonna, boom, if you're going, if you're, boom, if, you're, boom,
2: if, you're if you're going someplace and, and you know it's going to be you really rough, gonna and you're not going to use it, then you should absolutely take it off. And it should be the kind of thing to where, if it's not, if if you just have it hardwired to the battery, you've eliminated that that uh, option. But that's a very easy thing to do, to cut that power source and put a trolling put motor a plug. plug there. And then um, a lot of people will have their trolling motor mounted directly to the deck of the boat, where there are these starboard mounts to where they'll be... there'll be. Uh, um, I
1: think I have that. It's, yeah, got, it's it, on starboard. It's basically yeah. like yeah.
2: a little 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 square puck or, or some of them are round or whatever. But you put it on there and then you put a pin through it. And it's it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, w- yes, when you're going water skiing and you think you're you're you know, it could be rough or or something and you know you're not going to use it. Then, yeah, take it off. You'll, that might you'll, be plowing you'll save boat a lot to of make a wake for the yeah. kids. And you'll save a lot of you'll uh, save a lot of wear and tear on that thing by, ta- by taking it off when you know you're not going to use it.
1: But one thing I plan to do with this boat, which I would never do otherwise with a trolling motor, go offshore. Reef fish fishing pretty far out because I can spot lock, right? Yes. You can I don't need to have four hundred yards of anchor.
2: That's I you know? exactly may right. not
1: get the anchor back. Yes, right. And it so, is game changing out
2: there too, because you might you might just want to get to some place and you're like, Okay, well it's it's two hundred feet deep here and You don't want to anchor. You know, right? I don't I don't really want to stay here all day and I don't want to drop four hundred feet of anchor line. I don't even have room to put it in here. Yeah, yeah I just yeah. want to stop here and see yeah. if these tuna are here. I've got yeah. a little live yeah, well yeah. full of pilchards. I'm gonna just make a couple of throws, and then you know, you, you put the trolling motor down. You sit there for a little bit, and and uh, you catch them or you don't. Um, but you know, a lot of the a lot of the uh, big offshore boats, you know, 36 Yellowfins and bigger 39s, they're putting um, really big trolling motors on on those boats, and, just, and they're using them the offshore anchor. Does yeah. trolling motor Spot exactly. lock it? Yeah, yes. that's
1: so. I'm so excited. This is such cool technology. Yeah, well, it really is.
2: It really is cool. I would
1: not, I would not be going offshore otherwise because I'm like, I'm not going to anchor out there. Right.
2: So, so so that offshore thing, you know, it's like, okay, uh, how rough is it? And obviously if you're going offshore in a bay boat, you you need to be very careful. But yeah. it's like, okay, well, if you're really pushing it, then maybe the trolling motor on the boat is not the best idea because that's when you're going to, you know, that's when the seas are going to be the the roughest, right? And so, you know, maybe you're just going to go out there and try to catch a sailfish and you don't need a trolling motor. Well, take it off, right, if you, mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. can. But, you know, if you're just going to yeah, go, yeah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah, sit yeah. on a sit yeah. on a coral head or you're going to try to catch some yellowtails or something like that, it can be a great, incredible yeah, tool. Yeah. And if you're out there on the right day, no problem.
1: Hey, thought something popped in my mind, like, I don't live in the Keys anymore, but, like, back to the side scan sonar and the um, active target. But if you're looking for like a lobster holes, the side scan sonar will be better, right? Like Meaning if you're just kind of blindly cruising, looking for structure for lobster holes to go jump in, in 15, 20 feet or less, that would probably be better with the side scan sonar than the active target, right? Because um, you're just looking maybe. for- Maybe, I mean, you,
2: you actually might uh, do better with just traditional Sonar, or, just a regular, or what's yeah, called yeah. downscan uh, sonar, which uh, uh, you know a lot of times the the transducer will have downscan and traditional sonar. But you're just kind of looking for a ledge or coral head or something like that, and you're going to do just as well uh, with it, um, you know, just shooting straight down as you would the the side scan. The side scan, the side scan is very. I don't want to downplay it because it is a good it is a good technology. And I think that people that spent a lot of time using it, got got pretty good at it, but it was not, it was certainly nowhere nearly as easy to use as the active target. Like, I mean, you put that out there and it's like a video game. You're like, oh, there's (laughs) fish there. Right. And before you're looking and you're like, I don't know what that is. Is it a shadow? Is it like a, is that a coral yeah, head? Okay, and people are okay. like, people are yeah. like, no, that's a fish. You see the shadow back here. And it's like, you're gotta, I don't know. It was definitely harder to read. And this new one, I mean, your kids are going to be like, Oh, look at the fish right there. You won't even have to tell I mean, it's, <laughs> you won't even have to tell them the what they're looking at. And they're like, Oh, the fish are swimming right there. Well, I'm yeah. always fighting them to get off the screen. Maybe this time they like, look at the screen. Look at the <laughs> yeah. screen, right? It's a yeah. different
1: type of parenting there. Yeah. But it sounds like I mean, if I I haven't done my homework yet, but if I was going to choose between getting a upgrading with with side skin stoner or, or the active target, you're saying active target. Maybe they both. But i will anyway. say active
2: target all the way.
1: Active target. Good. That's this is this is really interesting, Tom. This is mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't know about that. I got to catch up with all this technology, but. So, my other questions are pretty simple, like um like do you always use ethanol free gas when you fill up? Try the to boat?
2: just try to, but I if don't it's available I, yeah. I, if it's available, i don't I don't go way out of my way to 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 get it. I mean i I try to, you know
1: I mean, I guess you could are there two options like you could, okay, I'm gonna go somewhere and get ethanol free. Or fill up by regular and just burn the heck out of it fast. Like I know I'll be boating. Right. Or get regular gas and get that Sartron stuff and yeah. put that in. Maybe can, that helps. You can it.
2: definitely do that. That stuff definitely works. Uh, fuel stabilizer um, definitely works. And and where you're going to see that working the best is when the when it's sitting. I think if if you're if you're going to let it yeah. sit for a long time, then that's probably important. But you know the th- the best thing you can do for a boat is is run it a lot, and the worst thing you can do for a boat is let it sit a lot. In my opinion, so I mean, both made to be used, and and um, you know, I don't know. We try to use them as much as possible. Um, so I don't, I'm not, I'm probably not the best to ask about the, you know, fuel stabilizer and all that stuff. We just try to just run the, run the hell. But out I was thinking, yeah,
1: if like if there's like a okay, I have two months where right, so I just have kid activities right, or right. work or whatever. I'm not gonna be able to use the boat. Then I would probably just just hook it up with those earmuffs and just run the motor for I yeah, don't know, ten minutes sure. or so, just right. to keep it. So yeah. that way it's got water flowing through it and
2: yes just a, and, and a drop, flush you should probably do that if once it, a
1: month right if I'm not well, using it well if
2: if you're not using it you you as soon as you take it out of the water you know if you think well we're probably going to you know I know I'm fishing tomorrow it's probably not important you know if it's like okay I'm going to fish tomorrow and then the boat you know we got a lot of things going on for the next you know 3 yeah, weeks even yeah. yes absolutely flush the engine like that is mandatory flush the engine um, because that's where you're going to get the problem that you leave that salt in there and, and it's corroding well, where it just takes, a, it's a very simple fix. And a lot of motors, you don't even have to use the earmuffs anymore. They have like a, a hose attachment right on the side and you just hook that up and run the motor right there. You don't even need the earmuffs for some of them, for most of the modern motors, but Oh yeah, they, but you, you can just
1: screw it right in to the yeah. back or whatever. Yeah, you screw okay, it right on there. Or they, they have somewhere, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So what do you do? Let's say you've, uh, let's, if you could go through the steps. Let's say, okay, I got my boat. I know I'm not using it for a month, maybe two months. Flush the engine. Um, you'll you'll wash it down, of course, fresh water. We soap it up and everything. And oh yeah,
2: I get it. Super other- clean. And then then depending on the the uh, the battery situation that you have, for the most part, most situations you're gonna plug the battery plug plug in the onboard charger and leave it plugged in. Um, some, you know, with the lithium batteries and stuff like that, some some things are changing to where it's it's better just to turn turn everything off and, and un, undo the batteries or, or whatever. But um, you know, for the most part, you know, if you got lead acid batteries, you're gonna plug in your plug in your, your thing. You're gonna get the boat as clean as possible. Cover it if, if you can, um, or keep it you know under cover or inside or in a in some sort of boat barn would be the best. Um, And then if it's going to sit for a long time, another thing that you probably should do every year is uh, check the bearings on the trailer. That's a really, really important thing. Um, And, you know, if you even if it's just sitting there um, and you don't want to do it yourself, you can, you know, before each boating season, you can have the bearings, you know, replaced. And, yeah, know, when you say check the
1: bearings, you mean check the grease in the bearings. Yeah, the you're grease.
2: You can you can okay. um, you can, you can grab the the tire and pull on it, and if it's got like a little bit of play in there, like that, it shouldn't. Right? It should be okay. On it shouldn't there wobble at all. Them, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So that's one thing. A lot of people will check that, but you know, for the most part, it's just like an annual thing. If you got a if you got a trailer that you had last year and you put some miles on it, you should change the bearings. Like that's that's really easy. Now there are there are bearings and and uh, bearings that you get like with our Ameritrail trailer right now. They got a five year warranty where you don't even have to touch the 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 bearings. You don't have to. It, are they essentially sealed? Completely sealed. sealed. Are they? Yes, they're completely sealed with a five year warranty. Okay, awesome. If you got that, you're good to go. But if you don't have that and you have just a regular trailer, you need to replace the bearings every year. And that's okay. that's one of the reasons okay. where you know it's like. Like a lot of people look at look at boat ownership, and they're like, "Oh my God, that trolling motor is so expensive. That cooler is so expensive. Those bearings are so expensive." Yeah, but if you've had it go bad, and you've replaced it four or five times, it's not that expensive. I mean, when you when you've already had this issue happen, and you've been stranded on the side of the road. Like, it's like, okay, well, that's something I'm going to pay for. I might not get this or I might not get that, but I'm going to make sure that I'm, you know, like we talked about before, like I'm going to make sure that my start battery, I may not want to reinvest in, and get all, all new batteries. batteries, but I'm going to make sure the start battery is new. I'm going to make sure yeah, that the yeah. trailer bearings are good, you know, and, you know, it's like those are the, those are the absolute primaries. That's what gets you back safely and so like that's where the money you get is
1: stuck in the road once you're gonna wish you spent every penny to get the yeah <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah but yeah, i mean yeah, you know yeah. i mean but then then you know this is the dilemma though i mean at some point you've reached your budget right and and when you're buying a boat for the first time yeah you're buying a used boat a lot of times and you're kind of you've got what you've got and like is you're, you're going to learn some things about this boat and you're going to get in a position to where you're going to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get another boat. And when I do, I'm going to get this and this and this. These are the three things that are the most important to me. Okay, cool. And, and so when you go to shop for your next boat, um, or maybe you don't, maybe, you, maybe this is the perfect boat and you keep it forever, but you make these three upgrades to it. You're going to be like, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. we're getting the best boat trailer we can possibly get we're getting um you know with with lifetime hubs we're getting um you know i don't know uh, uh, lithium batteries and we're getting um a new motor you know, a, right? a new motor right <laughs> something i don't know yeah. what it is for everybody's got their thing right yeah. and and so those are the kind of things that you learn and and no matter how much research you put into it and no matter how much uh, uh you fished with your friends and all this other stuff until you buy your own boat and you you've you your family in that boat and you fished it the way that you like to fish it or or go out in it it's different for everybody and everybody's got different different things and every boat's a compromise that's that's a hundred percent the way it is every boat's a compromise you want it to do everything no boat does everything you want it to Mm -hmm. go deep Mm -hmm. on rough days and you want it to go shallow on nice days no it's not going to do that like it's you got a skiff or you got an offshore boat you know you've got you've got you know bay boat like what you've got is about the best possible um all around boat in my opinion it but but it's still it's it's limited in the shallow water and it's limited in the deep water somewhere yeah. in between yeah, it's yeah. very good and and so you're going to get the maximum use out of a boat like that but you you know going in you know it doesn't go in 4 inches of water right yeah. it doesn't go yeah, 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 yeah. you know I shouldn't be out there when a storm front's coming in i shouldn't be out there sword fishing 25 miles offshore <laughs> like this is not, you know there's yeah, yeah, yeah. I, could i go yeah. to a little patch reef sure you know can i can i you know be off the edge of a flat sure you can um you know but but every boat's a compromise so that's what you got to know and you're going to learn you know tons of things and for the most part yeah. i think you're going to you're going to decide that you you made a really good choice um with with your situation with your budget with with what you're looking for it sounds like you you really landed in a in a really good spot you got a very versatile craft and uh there's room for improvement and there's also you know but but you don't have to like it's it's perfectly fine the way it is right now. yeah yeah
1: i definitely want to upgrade like you're saying like the active target whatever but i'm good to go i can go tomorrow yeah yeah and and catch fish off or water skiing or whatever but uh but yeah, but I definitely, I'm already, you know, I'm already thinking like, well, how can I upgrade this? You know, you always want to. <laughs> of course, you do. Upgrade more. Like, if I need to get a second job done, I want to get. I want. Of course, you want the best electronics and all that. But we'll get there. We'll get
2: there. Yeah. One step
1: at a time. But, but no, this is great, Tom. This is very informative, and you answered my my questions. Well, it's awesome. I think in- that
2: a lot of people have the uh, have have a lot of the same questions, and you you know you have um, uh, been you know out in a lot of boats with all your research and stuff and and even even done your own boats but the one thing that i wanted to you know that i thought we were going to get to when you ask about you know maybe we could have this conversation um was one of the things that i think i'll just kind of leave us with is and, and maybe it'll be helpful to you or maybe you already know this but um you know it's like learning your way around and when you're when you've been riding around with somebody um maybe you've got a captain friend or or you know a friend that That fishes all the time or you've been using their boat a lot there's a big difference between just riding around kind of looking around and actually being the one behind the wheel and when you're the one behind the wheel you're paying attention to a lot of different things that that you might not be otherwise and and (laughs) so you want to keep that in mind that just because you've you know been in this area a lot there's still some things to to consider when you're when you're, when you're doing this. And so one of the things that when people have asked about, like, how do I learn my way around? And it, it certainly is, is little by little is what I would say. But there is a period of time in the day um, where you have the best light, and that's going to be from about 10 o'clock in the morning until about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And that's when the sun is almost directly overhead, and you can see right, you can see left, you can see in front of you, you can see behind you. There's not a lot of glare. Then, you know, before that, when the sun's just coming up, you don't have enough light to see into the water. Sometimes you're looking straight into the sun. That's a really difficult time to navigate. That's when people navigate that really know what they're doing. Same can be said for the afternoon. You're trying to go back to the dock and you're driving into the sun. If you don't know it by heart, that's a very difficult time to, to I mean one little mistake and and you're aground or one little mistake and 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 you've damaged your boat or damaged the bottom. You don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. So if you can think about when you're first getting started that 10 to 2 is your exploration time. And you need to learn like leave the marina and go out to wherever you like to go. And make sure that you have that path dialed in. Now you can you can use electronics as a as a guide you can use charts as a guide, but you, you want to know by heart how to get out of the marina and how to get back into the marina. And you're going to have this little circle of, of confidence to where you can do that in, in perfect light. You can do that in the glare. You can do that in the dark. You can do that anytime where you know this area, you know, the channel markers, you know, everything about this area to where you can, you can get that dialed in and so you kind of learn that little spot and then you look at the you look at your watch and you're like man i've got about two hours that i could be exploring here so i'm going to go this way that i don't really know very well and i'm going to do it under good light conditions mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and i'm going to learn that and then i'm going to get back into this bubble that i know by heart when when the, when it's glary right but i don't want to be in an area that i've never been in before at four o'clock in the afternoon, trying to get back yeah, yeah. home, a waiter. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. that glare is such, it's such a, a a an important factor to think about, and it's something that that a lot of people that that haven't been in a boat much or been the captain of a boat much, they, they, they forget about that part. It's like, oh, well, it's just right over there. It's like, yeah, but there's two little tiny channels you got to run through. And under perfect light, they're, they're, as vi- they're blue, they're as visible as you can imagine. But if you're coming the other way at three or four o'clock in the afternoon, it's hard to find those little things. And there's one little PVC pipe that marks the thing. like. That's not as easy yeah, yeah, as it yeah, yeah. seems, yeah. right? So, especially at yeah, Florida Bay and all that those keys right. areas. All yeah, of those scary. things, and yeah. and you yeah. know maybe you don't well, have it marked the BBC on your GPS. Part, do I go on? Exactly, and <laughs> and under perfect light conditions, it's obvious. Oh, it's right here. I go on this side. But when it's glary, you you don't see it. And one side is three inches deep, and the other side's four feet th- deep, and and you don't want to be on the wrong side. So, just just keeping keeping uh, kind of aware of of the glare and how much more difficult it can make it um is is a really really important thing and just having that one little area to where you're, you're point, yeah. you know it so well and then you just expand on that little area and you get a guy that's been guiding in the keys for you know 40 years and his and all of the keys are that area You could he could navigate any of it in the dark with his eyes closed his sunglasses. You know, Tom, one of your your Guer comment. So I work downtown in St. Pete, and right out my window,
1: I've this Bayboro Harbor. There's a boat club there, so I get distracted and I watch people in the boat club. But for one of your glare comment, I watch these people go in these pond boats, and like one third of them don't even have sunglasses. <laughs> like <laughs> I think if I was go, I don't I think if I was going with the kids and I forgot my polarized sunglasses, I'd be like, we're not going, or you I'm turning turn around. around. Like I don't think
2: I would leave the dock without polarized sunglasses. Right, it is such a an important going out, thing
1: yeah like how do you see uh, not only the glare but the bottom and everything so well
2: i don't think that i don't think they do and and, and i don't think they know <laughs> that it's that it's even something that is important right like but that's like a, that's, that's the ocean you're not gonna run aground like uh yeah, yeah you are <laughs> like lots of times you are so that's something and to be quick, considered
1: quick point when when i bought we're waiting you're navigating when i when i bought the boat came home, I pulled out a map of Tampa Bay and I showed my kids, I'm like, okay, where are we? Where do you wanna go? And how do we get there? Because I just want them to understand, you know, where's the channel? We can't just go this way. Look at that, it says it's one feet deep there, you know, just trying to navigate. And then when we go on the boat, we're gonna have the chart with us. Like, okay, you show me where we are. You see, that's
2: super important because a lot of, you know, a lot of people learn how to navigate with only electronics now. And a lot of people, (sighs) you know, um, but but, you know, any, any prudent mariner is going to have two or three sources of, of navigation. I mean, you've got a compass, you've got a chart, you've got your electronics, and you've got your, your own eyes that you can look out there and yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. really shallow yeah. there. I shouldn't go there, right? Yeah. But, but yeah. a lot of people, you know, rely incredibly heavily on their electronics these days. And, and you know, that's, they've gotten more and more and more accurate, but still... If if that house battery goes down and your electronics don't work, can you get home? Right, like plus it's, you're it's, like
1: you're looking at this right. You're not looking in front of you. What right. if a turtle pops up? What yeah, if you know anything? Anything. What if there's happen. a kayaker? You
2: know, anything like, could happen, man. Anything yeah, could happen. Like texting
1: when you're driving, right? You need to look where you're going. That's yeah, right.
2: Yeah. That's right. Well, I think this has been. Uh, Helpful to some people. I hope it's been helpful to yeah, you. Yeah, definitely me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I don't know awesome. about anyone else, but well, I definitely. can't wait to uh, to hear how you uh, how you do out there. I think it's going to be a, a really cool chapter in your life when you when you get a new boat and you got you got kids and you take them out fishing and it's going to be
1: yeah awesome. Yeah, get them off the screen, get some outside. They're trapped with me now, right? Yeah. They're on a boat with me. So yeah, <laughs> they'll right. have to spend time with me. They are. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: All right, Mike. That's awesome, man. Well, good luck send me a picture of all the big fish you catch i will and the water skiing yeah (laughs) all right sounds good all right that's it for this week we'll be back next week with uh with another awesome show all right see Mm you